Yes, yeah, so uh, today's presentation is going to be joint between myself and uh, Andrew Finlay, Chairman of Summer Food Australia, who is uh, coming to us through the miracle of Skype. Nothing to worry about there. I think I'm predictable. Um, so, yeah, so um, Andrew is the Chairman of Summer Food Australia. He um, runs a, a stone fruit farm in Stanthorpe in Queensland. Uh, the reason he can't uh, be here in person today is uh, because obviously this is in the middle of his busiest season, so we really appreciate the time he's spending uh, even, um, to, to come and talk to us now. Uh, he is the end user advocate for this CRC project on development, developing a female lure. Um, we also are doing some of our, he allows us to do some of our trials on his, um, a, a, on his farm. Uh, he, Andrew is, um, has a wealth of knowledge on fruit flies as well, so it's been very, very important, uh, the collaboration with Andrew, right from the very conception of the project through to um, as we're sort of growing in our knowledge of, of the use of an application of female lures. So uh, without further ado, since we have Andrew here, I'll hand over now. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Stanford. <laughs> yeah, have you got me? Yep. You've got me? Okay, guys. Um, look, we're beaming to you, not through, only through Skype, but we're going up to a satellite somewhere high in the heavens and then, and then coming down to where you guys are. So just bear with me if, if uh, we have a little bit of a scratchy conversation or, or the, the video is a little bit um, pixelated or something like that. Yeah, thanks for the intro, Paul. Um, um, Paul said, we, I, I grow fruit in the Trap Rock region in Stanthorpe in southern Queensland. It's a hilly region and it's characterised by cold, frosty uh, uh, winter nights and mild winter days and then summers of cool nights and, and, and warm dry days. We grow about 20,000 uh, fruit trees on our own farm and, and the farms around me, there's a combined total of around 100,000 trees. Um, and you know, just a little bit about my background, I as Paul said, I'm chairman of the Summer Fruit, um, Board of Summer Fruit Australia and I was elected to that position in 2013. Um, I also represent Summer Food Australia on the National Management Group for Exotic Fruit Flies in the Torres Strait. Um, I'm a member of the Summer Food Australia, I'm sorry, member of the Summer Food Strategic Investment Advisory Panel with Horticulture Innovation and I represent Summer Food Australia at the Members Council of National Farmers Federation. I've also been involved in um, the area-wide management program, uh, incorporating sterile insect technique for the control of fruit fly in southern Queensland. Um, and for us at Pikes Creek, Queensland fruit fly is the single most important pest disease that I have to contend with. Uh, up until recently, it, uh, it was relatively easy to control with the option to relatively cheap and highly effective chemicals. However, with changing community expectations around dietary, dietary intake, uh, environmental outcomes, and occupational health and safety, um, reviews into the use of these chemicals has led to the phase out of them over the last couple of years. So where does this leave us in terms of what tools we have available for control of fruit fly? It's widely accepted now that fruit fly control um, will not just be a function of one single activity, but it will be a combination of numerous activities that will be required in most areas where fruit fly occur to achieve satisfactory level of control. So those tools that we currently have available is a, a thing called um, male annihilation technique, which is a little, uh, it's an attractant kill lure. There's a, a, an attractant in there that, that's highly effective in attracting male fruit flies, and then it just has a chemical impregnated in a, in a, in a wick or in a card 
and on contact with that, that kills the myofibrillar. It does a very, very good job. We have protein bait sprays that are effective in attracting immature um, Queensland fruit fly um, females. And so long as they come in contact to it, it it's, um, does a very good job, but it's not particularly attractive to them. We've got some new generation um, protein um, uh, lures for, for um, that will attract immature females, and they are showing superior trap catches to the, to the older tile-style lures we had. Orchard hygiene is important to us, removing in, in any fruit that's been infested and getting that out of the orchard. Um, there are some chemicals left that have varying levels of e efficacy depending on the fruit fly pressure at the time. And as we currently speak, there is research going into sterile insect technique in, in, in controlling particularly Queensland fruit fly. And what's been the missing tool out of all this is a, a really effective um, lure that will control female fruit flies that are looking for a site to lay their eggs in. So they're, they're fertile and they're ready to go. Um, in the past month, we've just seen the release of the, of the first generation of this type of lure. And I'm sure over the coming months, we're going to learn a lot from the performance of this lure to apply to the development of future generations of lures for mature fruit flies. Um, what would a really good attract and kill lure mean for me on my farm and the farms around me? In the past seasons, the only insecticide sprays that I've applied after flowering through to harvest have been cover sprays for fruit flies. So my early, in my early varieties, an effective track and kill lure Queensland fruit fly would mean that it would be possible for me not to use any, any chemicals to control a fruit fly. The outcome of this has huge benefits. Not only is it a really good story to tell, with no insecticide use from flowering to harvest, but the chemicals that can use to control fruit fly often take out more than just the fruit flies and can have a dramatic impact on integrated pest management programs by removing many of the beneficial insects we have tried to encourage into our orchards. For those who don't know about integrated pest management, integrated pest management is using a whole range of different, different tools and to control a pest or disease within an orchard. And generally, the backstop of this is chemical invention. So you can, in many cases, you can achieve successful control of the pest or disease without the use of the chemicals. And um, integrated pest management, I think, is going to be one of the, one of the, one of the keys for horticulture as we look to implement sustainable farming practices for the future. Um, so, control of fruit fly is going to require that populations are not allowed to build up to excessive numbers, and by having a sort of a sentry on duty 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for 52 weeks of the year, with the ability to effectively take down mature fruit flies in a cost effective way of, of, and it will be absolutely um, So, how does this fit in to trade and market access? Um, Fruit flies are one of the biggest uh, pests of concern for many of the soft skin fruits in Australia. Well, that I talk about sunfruit, unfortunately, sunfruit has the dubious extent, the dubious um, reputation of being probably the most susceptible host of fruit fly. And as a result of that, it's the focus of, of many of the, of, of the um, um, uh, market access protocols that we need to develop to, to open up new markets. Um, so by having and a, an effective tool out there to take out our fruit flies, 
where we, we need access to markets, we have to be able to demonstrate to these countries that we have an effective quarantine procedure. So, so by that I talk about we will go into things fumigation, we will go into irradiation, there may be um, cold treatment periods that the fruit is put in the fruit like the Queensland fruit flies three degrees at 14 days before it can be shipped. And so it it's, um, makes a lot of sense that if we have a very low, very low level of fruit invested with fruit flies that goes into these climate um, um, measures, then the likelihood of something surviving the treatment is very, very, very low. Um, if we have high, high level infestation of fruit going into, into uh, um, uh, these quarantine uh, procedures, then that increases the risk of something going through and then damaging our market access um, that we have that we've established. So it's a huge thing for us um, to, to have this look as we look to open up and develop new markets because it allows us then to show uh, and be able to demonstrate um, to, uh, to, to countries that we are looking to establish trade relationships with that we actually have effective control mechanisms in place for what has, um, uh, is a, a pest of enormous concern to them when they're looking to import our fruit. Um, that's it, it, it's that's it in a nutshell, probably, and from where I come from, McGraw, it, it's not just the Stanford region that benefits from something like this. It is all the way across the, the, the um, Stone Creek growing regions of, um, of Australia. And I include that with, with the pest free areas of, of South Australia and Tasmania as well. Because from a biosecurity um, perspective, um, um, the better the control mechanisms are for Queensland for fruit fly in those areas that fruit fly is endemic, then the less chance it has of spreading to the areas that are, that are interfering with fruit fly. Um, I mentioned before that, I, that I'm um, part of the National Management Group that the, and the exotic um, fruit fly program in the Torres Strait. And, and a really effective track kill mechanism for, for, for female fruit flies would be an invaluable tool in, in, in that biosecurity space. Um, you can imagine that, that um, there's a host of different islands. There's, there's in particular the oriental fires enormous concern to Australian horticulture. And so as some of the contributor, uh, financial contributor to the program, that uh, that monitoring work in, in the Torres Strait. So to have something up in there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, helping to ensure that we stay free of these pests. Um, uh, you just, it's so difficult to place a value on. It is just without question it has a must value. Um, guys, that's that's pretty much how I see it from from Grail's perspective. That that it really is. Um, it's the missing piece of the jigsaw uh, when it comes to us being able to to um, effectively control cold fruit fly in, in today's environment. And there are just so many benefits that will result, not just to Stanford, but to all the soft fruit um, uh, industries that are susceptible to fruit fly across the width and, and, and breadth of this country. Thank you very much, Andrew. Isn't it wonderful how much Skype's improved over its 10 years of evolution? Hopefully we can do better with female lures. All right, so um, I'm going to talk a little bit about, the, um, about the, the research that we've been doing in terms of developing the female lure. Um, as Andrew was saying, there are, there are other commercially available female lures that, that for, to fruited fruit flies that are really separated into two categories. They come in various different shapes and sizes, um, but they are basically feeding lures and over position or egg laying lures. Uh, the feeding lures are 
protein-based attractants. They, they give off an odor of decomposing, fermenting uh, protein, and ammonia compounds, and this is very, these lures are attractive, uh, particularly to the immature uh, stages of the, fly, of the adult fly. The, we know that, the, that uh, these uh, newly emerged uh, young females in particular require protein uh, to develop to sexual maturity, and that they're attracted to these, uh, to these protein odors. Uh, laboratory uh, work in particular has shown that as, the, as, as these females then become mature, their attraction uh, to these proteins decrease. And what we, we really don't know is how strongly mature females in the field are attracted to these protein baits and these protein traps. And that's a really first key area of research and something that we, we want to look at in this project. The other type of lure is the um, overposition, the egg-laying lure. And this attracts the female, um, the mature female flies who are attracted to the odors of ripe fruits to lay their eggs. And you can see there's a difference, a, a, a physical, visual difference in these traps that they represent, uh, they, they look a little bit more like fruits. The, the female insects are attracted, especially at close range, to the visual cues. So in order to get the insects to, to land and to attract them and to land on these traps, you need some sort of visual element to it as well. The odors, as I say, are based on, are on fruit odors. And this is, the, this is the kind of trap that we're talking about. We're talking about an attra a, a trap, an attractant for mated female flies. So the his historically, this, this project began in 2000, late 2012, and it's a, it's a joint project uh, between Horticulture Australia and uh, Plant Biosecurity CRC. And it was looking at proof of concept. Can we actually... Um, design a synthetic odor that would attract the, the um, mated female flies. Cut long story short, we looked at uh, mature, we looked at ripe guavas that are super attractive to the, to the, to the mated female uh, fruit flies. We then analyzed the odors that are, that are given off, emitted by um, ripe guava. You'll see quite a few of these in my presentation, the gas chromatograms. Uh, that represents us, the analysis of the odors in guava. Each of those peaks um, in, in, in the graph represents a different compound in the odor. So you can see the very complex um, odors. And the height of the peaks, the sort of the relative concentration of those different compounds. And, um, and then we, we created a, a synthetic lure that, that, it, that mimics the guava, guava odor. We picked 11 compounds. As you can see from the second graph down, uh, that is, uh, we tried to get as close as possible to the right concentration of, these, of the different compounds. And we tested them on the, on the insect antennae using a technique known, uh, known as electroantinography, which looks at um, which, which, which confirms that a volatile can be detected at the level of the insect antennae. So we know it can pick up that volatile. So we used that technique to confirm that our, that our blend was using the right sorts of, of, of chemicals. We tested it in field cages, and, um, and we found that our blend attracted the, the mated female flies, but also we found that particular volatiles, ripening um, odors, volatiles within that blend were very, very important for attracting the, fe attracting the females. And without that, the attraction uh, to these odors would disappear. So that was the proof of concept. The, this, the, the current project now, the Plant Biosecurity CLC project, is, is looking at development of that lure. Um, it's really in two parts. There is the improved formulation, and then there is the all-important 
extensive evaluation of whether these lures can attract uh, the insects in the field. Across to frittids, lures have been um, designed in different ways to attract male and female flies, but many of the, uh, on many occasions they don't really strongly attract females in the field, so we have to understand that side of it. Why do we want to improve the formulation? Well, what we've learned from um, the, the advance of knowledge in, in insect olfaction is that insects smell odors very much like we do. Um, they, when they smell something like a peach, they perceive odors in a similar way. When they, when they smell peach, it's very probably as a, as a sort of a complete blend. Um, that the different chemical compounds and, and, and components of that blend might be very important for completing that attraction. Um, so in the same way that when we smell an odor, say a fruit odor, you may be able to smell slightly grassy notes or slightly um, sort of um, fruity notes and sometimes floral sort of tones. This, is, this may be important, getting the right mix of compounds together and how do we do that? The other thing that we're looking at is what else is important in attracting female flies? I, I, I say the visual cues, as I've said before, is important, but also what other um, odors might be important? And what we're focusing on is uh, pheromones, the potential for female pheromones and aggregation pheromones and egg-laying pheromones, uh, microbial odors, so uh, when a fruit is really getting ripe, it starts to give off these sort of slightly fermenting uh, microbial, uh, yeasty, um, and bacterial odors. So whether they're imp how important they are, and then deterrents as well. So uh, we know from work on on the other fruit fly, Drosophila, that uh, that the that if you have um, a deterrent odor. A particular uh, volatiles within a blend, it can actually switch off the attraction. So you've got to be very careful what you put in this mix. If you put the wrong compounds in, you could just lose the attraction to all your odors, and then your results, it's hard to determine what's going on in your results. So we're trying to identify deterrents as well. So a few of these gas chromatograms, as I say, coming up, looking at the different odors. So the female pheromone work, um, we've made some uh, progress along this uh, in this line. This started off with very basically um, what's called a solvent extraction, for sucking off all of the odors from a female fly by just immersing it in the solvent. Uh, and then we've looked more specifically at the, the glands where the odors might be produced, uh, in the rectal glands of the females. And, and then now we've got a new technique, which is looking at individual insects and being able to analyze the odors emitted of, of, of individual females. And we're looking at different times of day as well to look at whether we can find something that might look like it's a female pheromone and we can use it. Um, we have found some interesting compounds um, that are coming up again and again in our analysis, and those are the ones that are on the right-hand side of the, um, of the graph there. You can see those peaks on the right-hand side that, are in the, that you can see they're present in the mated females and also they're present in virgin females of the same age, I should say. Um, but they're not really, they're very low con concentrations in the, in the newly emerged females. Um, together with other studies on other flies, we are quite confident that these are, are chemicals associated with the eggs. Um, but our behavioral trials at the moment are sort of tending towards the fact that they, they may well be that they're deterrents. That, um, that these are really just a, um, they're a signal, they're, they're, they're an odor that's present with the eggs, as more eggs are laid, the concentration of this odor may build up, and then we found at higher concentrations it seems to work as a, a deterrent. So, interesting result, not quite what we were looking for. Um, so, we've also looked at yeast as well. We've been looking at, um, so this is work that Alex Piper has been doing, and um, 
He's gone out in the field, he's been swabbing different fruits, he's been running around catching mated female flies um, as they land on the fruits, um, culturing up the different yeasts that um, the, 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 the flies are carrying, and, um, and then doing some analysis, some molecular analysis, some sequencing to identify the different um, yeasts that, are, um, that the flies are carrying around and spreading from fruit to fruit as they're laying. And we've done the odor analysis now on these different yeasts, um, found some, again, some interesting um, compounds that are very common to the yeast but differ a little bit in their concentrations in the different yeasts. And we've got to go now on to the, 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 the cage trials and start to try and elucidate what these um, odors are doing and, um, and how they work as whether they're attractants or deterrents to the flies. And then there's the, the work on deterrence. This was work that um, Owen Webb, who's recently uh, completed his, his master's, which was with the CRC, um, was, was looking at. And he was looking at, we know that, that mated female flies are uh, deterred. They prefer not to lay on fruits where there are already a larvae present. So that was a great start, starting point for that. What's, why are they avoiding these fruits? So we looked at the odors in, um, in infested fruits found out that this, um, in, in, in any fruit that seems to be infested with this um, with larvae, it has this, this volatile acetone, which is associated with yeasts and bacteria. So what Owen then did was did some tests where he uh, spiked um, a, a, a tomato substrate, an overposition substrate, um, with this odor at the right sort of concentrations that you would see in the fruits, and found that that there was a, a deterrent effect, that once this odor was being emitted, that the females were avoiding this. So again, more on the deterrent sort of front. So this is, a, this is one of the problems is, you know, there's so many different volatiles that we could be looking at. There are so many different fruits. Um, we've got to find some way of actually getting this, getting this right and finding the right mix of, of chemicals. So uh, another part of the, the research um, that we're doing, and this is really exciting sort of new sort of, uh, technology research, is a collaboration with Stockholm University and the neuroscientists there, um, and a guy called Mikkel Carlson, who is a world expert in uh, antennal lobe neuroscience. So that is the part of the insect brain that um, processes odors. And there's a technique which is called calcium imaging of the antennal lobe, and what Mikhail has been um, developing is this technique in fruit flies. So it was pioneered in, in honeybees and in, in moths. Um, and what, the, what this technique shows is it shows the odor-evoked activity in the insect brain. So in the processing area of the insect brain, it shows how different compounds um, excite different areas. And we know from the work on, on, on honeybees and moths that synergistic relationships among volatiles, among these different compounds, actually turn up in these, in these images. So the idea is if we can, if we can do this if, if, we can, if this, if this is a repeatable and, uh, way of actually looking at synergism between volatiles, it might be a way where we can actually start working out which volatiles to put together in a lure. It's been really, really tricky for Michael. He's done a great work so far because there's always a reason where there isn't research done on something, and there hasn't. There was no. There's been no research on the tephridid fruit flies. The reason it turns out is because they're bloody difficult to work on. Um, their brains all sort of fall to pieces once you start taking them apart. Funnily enough. Um, so they, but he's, he's achieved it, we, we got these results, and um, these are the results on, on the single odors, the single volatiles. Uh, you can see the different patterns that are created by these different single volatiles. Um, and, and now he's going on to start looking at the blends and looking at blend effects. 
The idea is we can hopefully then start really transforming the way we look at odors for, and we develop, design odors for all insects. Um, so we can look at the synergistic relationships, we can, we, have, we can be more accurate in our volatile detection, and also this idea of valence. So this big thing of whether something's an attractant or a deterrent, and we may be able to determine from other antennal lobe work, it looks like deterrents are processed slightly differently. So we may be able to identify our deterrents. So the all-important field work um, is really beginning and getting going this year. Um, in fact, I think today the, some, the, the guys are out to Andrew's farm. Um, to, to start setting up some the, the first run of our trials, and we're doing our we're doing the trials in Queensland and Stanthorpe, um, and also in down here in Victoria, in Tatura, and around the Goulburn Valley area, setting up our traps and really trying to see if what these lures are doing in the field. Uh, we're trying four different formulations of lures uh, in our first trial. <clears throat> We're look, and we're looking at, new, uh, at some new dispensers for, um, for the odors. What we found from previous work is these are very volatile. It's very hot out there in the summer. So these, um, these odors are, tend to evaporate very quickly. So we need to have the right dispensers to, to get to emit the volatiles at the right ratios um, for long enough that it's, that it's of use to the growers. Uh, the other thing that we want to focus on this year is looking at what we're catching in the traps. So comparing the traps, the catches in these um, egg-laying traps to the feeding traps in the same fields and looking at, is there, is there really a difference? Are we catching, is it that we're catching more immature females? Um, this really needs to be looked at. Um, we're going to be doing some, so we're going to be um, looking at our trap catchers, dissecting females and also looking at developing a new molecular te uh, technique for identifying whether a female's been mated or not to sort of speed this process up, um, using um, a marker that is present in the sperm beta tubulin um, to, that, that we can see if, if, I say, the females have been mated. So, um, so hopefully that will give us some more evidence. And the idea being is that it may be that we need to use both lures. It may be that we need both the feeding and the egg laying. Um, lures. And we may be, need to use them at different times as well. So it may be that early in the season, um, the, the, the egg laying, the odors from the, the, the egg laying lures may be, may be more important, but then later in the season they may be competing more with the fruits themselves. So hopefully this is uh, um, some of the other uh, information we'll get from our research. It's not just about developing a product, it's about testing it and, and making sure it actually works and it's of use to the growers. Uh, Andrew's um, highlighted the importance, um, very much of the benefits of the research, um, obviously in, in reducing uh, Q5 populations, improving market and maintaining market access. Uh, it also will assist with the sterile insect uh, technique um, in lowering populations and helping to monitor and assess how that's working. Um, and, and, and we're getting some really nice, it's, it's pushing us to, to uh, develop our science uh, and transform our science and ask new questions um, and, and bring in some new research. So thank you to um, the project team um, and also the, the, the scientists who have been involved in some of those, some of those results that, I, that I've been putting up, looking at the, the, the different uh, analysis for the different volatiles. And of course, to some of Australia for um, endorsing this project and, and supporting us right the way through, um, uh, through its development. So thank you very much. <laughs>